0: Hello friends, this is Jacob Given with Theology and Dialogue uh, Today we've got a really special episode It's a discussion that my friend Eric Aldieri and I uh, had a couple weeks ago uh, If you're interested in Christianity or anarchism This will be a great uh, great episode for you Because we're talking about Christian anarchism uh, As our source text we're using... Um, uh, Tolstoy's work, "The Kingdom of God is within you." Uh, I highly recommend it. We um, summarize it, and uh, you know, read it and uh, think about it here, uh, especially in light of uh, current events. And um, also, a shout out to the Magnificast. Uh, some of the some of the um, uh, points that we cover were inspired by a couple episodes they did. Uh, if you're Interested further in um, uh, the intersection of Christianity and leftist politics? They're a great podcast to so check them out. Um, otherwise, just uh, go check us out at theologyanddialogue.org. You can find all of our content there. Follow us on Twitter at Theo and Dialogue, and uh, find us on Facebook. Um, so I'm going to keep the intro short today, and. Um, You can enjoy this discussion between Eric and I on Leo Tolstoy's The Kingdom of God Is Within You. Hello, everyone. Hello, Eric. Hello. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So, uh, before we get started here with our friend, Leo Tolstoy, maybe we can... uh, share a little bit about what we're doing, where sure. we're at. You were here last year. Uh, I was, yeah. So
1: I, I just uh, graduated in May uh, from Villanova in uh, the Philosophy and Humanities programs. The uh, Humanities department here is kind of a Catholic spin of a, a great books program. Uh, nice. And now I am headed to DePaul University, uh, literally like... Within the next couple days, uh, to start a master's and PhD combined program in philosophy there.
0: Awesome. And what like what are you? Uh, I mean, it's too early to have a legit focus, but what are you? What are you looking forward to reading and doing? And, like, yeah. You- so,
1: so I'm primarily interested, I guess, in, in Frankfurt school critical theory, as well as contemporary uh, queer <laughs> theory, and. Christian virtue ethics and theology, and how all those three kind of come together or or don't uh in in some ways
0: nice awesome man all right well uh so I believe this group this uh, episode got started because uh I tweeted something looking for uh recommended christian right. lefty Christian lefty literature and uh the reply that um caught my eye was when you said to go read Tolstoy and then I did and I said all right let's talk about this <laughs> let's get this let's 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 hash some of this out cuz it's it's, it's, it's pretty wild yeah yeah wild yeah that's, that's exactly right. it's exactly it's <laughs> it is crazy um so maybe we could uh maybe we could lay out kind of like what you understand Tolstoy to try like try what he's trying to do right in this book the kingdom of god is within you
1: right so so i think the the first um, i guess main ingredient to to what we'll call tolstoy's like christian anarchism mm-hmm. uh, is a, an extremely literalist interpretation of i think admittedly maybe nitpicked sections of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so so the title really comes from his belief that this kind of radical uh, pacifism of Jesus can be performed by uh, human beings like right now. Yeah. Um, so, so all of these excuses uh, that people use to justify various structures of, of government or war, um, whether they be theological reasons like original sin, mm-hmm. the fall, right. or uh, just kind of pragmatist reasons like, well, there's always going to be power, uh, or there's always going to be someone governing you know, someone else, um, so we might as well have it this way or something like that. <coughs> all of those... Uh, all those excuses, he's just totally waving off um, right. as excuses.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, and he's pretty—he's pretty relentless about it. Like, right. I don't think I've ever read a book that was just so single-mindedly pacifistic.
1: Right, and it, and it's yeah. and it's also interesting um, that I mean, this isn't just war uh, as it's I guess typically like conceived of or like. Killing or stealing like those aren't the only types of violence that come under Denunciation for Tolstoy Mm -hmm. Uh, they include private property taxation um, Voting is actually even like a way of being complicit in violent governmental structures according to Tolstoy. So all of these uh, kind of mundane acts that a lot of us just take for granted are totally off limits, according to Tolstoy for
0: Christians. Right. He has, uh, he has an image somewhere. I forget exactly where it was of a, a policeman who comes to town and gets the peasants to start flogging each other. Right. And, uh, all it takes is for one to stop in order to like demonstrate the absurdity of like perpetuating mods. And he makes that like, um, Especially in countries with mandatory military service mm. and uh, in paying taxes and all this kind of thing, what we're essentially doing is just flogging each other. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: And and there's he's he's really explicit in that like conscription, like you know, mandatory uh, service in any type of armed force is like for him it kind of like represents it, it highlights the absurdity and like internal contradictions of societies that are ruled by our governments because yeah. it's you know the the initial justification for having like a standing army is um well you, you know you want to be free from violence you want to be safe uh you want to have a kind of neighborly community with the people that you're you're living next to, mm-hmm. um, and therefore you all need to serve in <laughs> right. this army uh, yeah. and go off and, like, kill people. Right. So right. so he, he just uses that as this kind of image of, like, the, the, the pinnacle of the, the contradictions that, that any type of governmental structure that uses violence against violence uh,
0: ends up falling into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then for you, like, as you read it, what did you see as maybe... Uh, for especially for people that aren't that are listening in that aren't as familiar with Tolstoy or with anarchism or whatever what did you see as like the practical end game for
1: Tolstoy? yeah
0: or is there one
1: I I'm guess. it's so I think well I think there definitely is one for Tolstoy I I guess I was less interested in that than like the the type of uh, I guess what I'll call, like, prefigurative politics.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Can you unpack that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so so this is a term that I initially came across uh, from reading uh, David Graeber's work. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those who aren't familiar, Graeber's a contemporary um, anarchist, anthropologist, so I think he's currently at LSE, um, mm-hmm. before getting, like, denied tenure at Yale for mm-hmm. all of these political reasons yeah. uh, people suspect. But so so he was really, Graeber was really influential in the Occupy movement and uh, talks a lot about this concept of prefigurative politics um, that basically rejects any type of leftism, well any any type of politics at all, but he's, you know, he's particularly critical of his fellow lefties mm-hmm. for justifying um, violence as a means uh, for an end of, you know, a, a socialist society that, right, that you right. know, once you get there, supposedly mm-hmm. does away with uh, oppressive structures. Right. So um, you
0: can't have a violent revolution to uh, to inaugurate an egalitarian society. Right.
1: That's okay. that's exactly what Graeber and Tolstoy are saying here. Um, and so prefigurative politics, uh, it very simply, uh, Prefigures, you know, in in your organizing itself, yeah, in yeah. the local microcosmic organizations that you inhabit and make up, you prefigure the type of uh, larger society that you'd want to see, kind of after the revolution. Right, right, right. So, you know, for Graeber, this is non-hierarchical, um, ultra-democratic. Mm-hmm. For Tolstoy, this is. Simply abiding you know living yeah. as as if the the Sermon on the Mount were the only kind of document that really mattered yeah. um,
0: right and in yeah. living, living right. that now yeah so the means the means of achieving a a uh, social revolution or some sort of uh, the means of inaugurating a new form of society will always be in keeping with Mm -hmm. the vision of the society that is to be achieved. Right. Right, Exactly. And that's what you see Tolstoy doing here. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, which also seems to, um, limit, right. Limit the options and means available to Tolstoy. Mm. Like not, not only, and I'm not just talking about like physical violence, but, um, you know, any sort of like political, um, cooperation with even for the sake of subversion of of subverting government, you know?
1: Yeah. It's interesting. It's there. There doesn't seem to be much of a conscious call to do those types of things. Um, Right. So, so even if certain actions kind of prescribed by Tolstoy end up subverting authority in some ways, uh, he's not calling for them because they subvert authority calling mm-hmm. for them because in his mind it's what christian doctrine mandates and and so the subversion of authority is is secondary to um you know the, the primary aim of, of acting in accordance with uh new testament
0: yeah so this is something that was so interesting to me and something that i had a hard time with um was the theological dimension of what's yeah. going on in tolstoy because <laughs> He seems so pious and devout on the one hand, like he literally thinks that we should just take the Sermon on the Mount as our like user's manual for like (laughs) how to like live in the world. Um, But he doesn't, I don't, I don't think he believes that Jesus is divine. He doesn't believe in, he doesn't believe in miracles. Uh, He he (laughs) actually like hates miracles.
1: He goes on this, this like not short, uh, tirade really in yeah. one of the sections against miracles because he thinks that when people read about the miracles that happen in in various parts of the bible that they're so unbelievable that it turns people off from christianity and like kind yeah. of on a utilitarian basis therefore like should just be totally abandoned <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah the miracles make yeah. people uh, suspicious of christianity and so yeah. we need to like get rid of those things from our theology
0: so like i wonder like on what basis like i and this is just a curiosity i did zero research on this at all um but like i wonder like on what basis like tolstoy finds uh the message of christianity uh Convincing, I guess. Convincing, maybe that's not the right word, but like authoritative, like in a religious way.
1: Yeah, it's it's really bizarre, and you know, I haven't looked into this uh, in terms of his personal life too much either. But it's, I mean, it almost seems like yeah, like any other insert like ultra pacifist doctrine um, would suffice for him because yeah, like he's he's doing away with so much that is. really important for a lot of different christian sects like so he like i mean he denounces lutherans catholics right, uh, right. russian right. like orthodox church i mean a- every every type of organized religion has apparently aired in, in some way according to tolstoy um in the and yeah the actual theology of it the you know the Trinity, the Virgin Birth, like right. none of nothing. Remains. None of it <laughs> remains. Yeah, after after Tolstoy goes there, it, it really it is. It's it's the Sermon on the Mount that is like the right. only
0: thing left. Yeah, and he thinks he thinks too. Uh, as we were reading along, I was you know he he thinks that Christian, He he has the notion uh, the um, I mean just a very very blunt statement. Let me actually find it. Uh, I think it's on. Page 89, if I remember. Yeah, still there are people who believe in this, busy themselves over peace congresses, read addresses... Write books and governments, we may be quite sure, express their sympathy and make a few and make a show of encouraging them in the same way they pretend to support temperance societies while they are living principally on the drunkenness of the people, and pretend to encourage education while their whole strength is based on ignorance, and to support constitutional freedom when their strength rests on the absence of freedom, and to be anxious for the improvement of the condition of the working classes when their very existence depends on their oppression, and to support Christianity when Christianity destroys all government yep. it's just like very like so he really thinks that Christianity and by Christianity he means basically the spirit of the of the Sermon on the Mount uh, is completely opposed to all forms of like governmental authority and to all forms of ecclesial authority mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and I think we do have to keep in mind like yeah the context of like uh the Russian church and state right. And whatever, but like it really does seem like theoretically, right, for Tolstoy, this applies to every church body, right, every governmental structure, you know. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a reading of, I think it's also a reading of, of history that professes that Christ, like, literally marks. A new era where, where after Christ, every human being again like has this power, has this knowledge, and, and therefore does not does not need mm-hmm, mm-hmm. external authority to guide one like on the right path, yeah. um, whether morally or theologically. Um, so it's kind it's kind of it's kind of like you know Christ literally redeems original sin. Like yeah, and then yeah. and then and therefore after, in history, there's there's no longer any need for these these various um, institutions that that curb appetites or or however you want to put
0: it. All um, right. Yeah. Well, I think that would the, and this might be a good point to like talk about his uh, really like kind of fascinating philosophy of history. Yeah. There, right. Yeah. So, so like he he basically has these three stages. um, Set out the three conceptions of life, and the um, the subtitle to the Kingdom of God is within you. At least in my translation, is Christianity not as a mystic religion, but as a new theory of life. Wow,
1: that's interesting. Yeah, that's not that's not actually in my copy. Um, but you know, granted, my copy is
0: definitely. Uh, Worse than, than yours, <laughs> yeah. but well, well. So, so it's right. the theory of life, and he keeps on referring again and again to the Christian conception of life. Right, right,
1: right. So there's the, there's the social conception of life, right. which is the one that immediately precedes
0: right. Christianity. Yeah. Um, so he has the an, the animal as right, first, right, animal. and then from the animal conception arises the social conception and from the social conception arises the Christian conception of life.
1: Yeah. So, so first of all, I guess, I guess like backing up a bit, um, it's, there's like a definitive, there's there's an explicit progressive reading of history here in the sense that absolutely inevitably, um, like, like from the moment that the universe begins to unfold, uh, it is inevitably unfolding toward the kingdom of God. Right. Um, hmm. And this this train really can't be stopped, um, according to him. So yeah, there, there, there's a quote on on 155, and in my copy uh, it says, the progressive movement of humanity proceeds first and principally from the fact that all men in general are advancing steadily and undeviatingly <laughs> toward a more and more conscious assimilation of the Christian theory of life. Um, And this is where, you know... Again, sorry, just just one more time on on 71. Uh, Humanity can no more go backward in its development than the individual man. Mm -hmm. Men have outlived the social, family, and state conceptions of life. Now they must go forward and assimilate the next and higher conception of life, which is what is now taking place. So, so this this is what's interesting is, like, he gets placed alongside a lot of, like, really icky contemporary uh, figures, I think, with this. And yeah. this kind of Gnostic, progressive reading of history alongside theology, which, like, conveniently <laughs> ignores um, a lot of, like, pivotal moments in the Bible and pivotal kind of doctrinal statements from, mm-hmm. you know, at least the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, such a, so I'm thinking of particularly of, of Steve Fuller, who is the kind of Christian transhumanist of, of our day, who mm-hmm. will, will cite biblical passages in this kind of manner to, um, to yeah. argue that we, yeah, exactly this thing, that we're on this progressive, <clears throat> undeviating path toward right, kind of right. uh, spiritual slash technocratic uh, divinity. Right. Um, right. and that our our uh, like humanity's object is literally to kind of get back in the spot of the Imagudei mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we oh, that we've yeah. that we need to like recapture that, you know, are if, if we're made in the image of God then our mission is to actually embody that state. Um yeah. and of course these look like tremendously different things for you know Tolstoy, it's it seems it seems almost kind of like anarcho agrarian in, yeah, in some right, sense right. whereas whereas fuller it's like total technocratic libertarianism um, yeah. sort of, I mean Fuller's a lot scary of a fuller uh, of a figure in in this sense but again mm-hmm. both are ascribing to this like teleological vision of history that cannot be compromised yeah
0: yeah so then uh, <clears throat> I guess I guess to like sort of step inside Tolstoy's uh, understanding of the unfolding of, of history. Um, when, I, when I first read it, I found it very, very compelling, actually. Um, uh, he basically accepts, right, a sort of evolutionary right. unfolding of like humanity, right? right? And so like, of course, we would start with like animal animalistic kind of like modes of consciousness, forms of life. Right. And then uh, we begin, he doesn't spend a lot of time between the transition from animal to social, but the transition from social to Christian is what's so interesting because for him, that's what we're in now. And he says, um, he says our consciousness now is such that like we understand that there's a a contradiction in society. There's a contradiction in the way things ought to be and in the way things are. Previously in previous societies with like radically hierarchical worldviews, it was much easier to come to terms with things like subjugation slavery um what we would consider right. you know what we would consider like just uh, pretty uh clearly and unequivocally wrong. Right. Right. Um, But as our consciousness becomes more egalitarian and starts to regard all of humanity as our family and not just our family as our family. Once you
1: unleash that bag of worms, then it, it gets really tough to reconcile with, with the the current you know what he's calling the social conception of life right and so this i mean for him it um i guess the there's these mini stages with within the social conception of life that again yeah, he, he's yeah. calling the family um the <laughs> I, th- I think it's, it might be community and then yeah. and then like the nation yeah. and and that's where it kind of maxes out so so it's it's you know it's all premised on on love of of neighbor mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and equality um but once it gets to this, this this the nation state it becomes only theoretical like you literally right, right. cannot conceive of equality in that sense and you cannot conceive of of loving people on that broad of a sense without this like christian theological foundation for it all Mm-hmm. Right, right, and and so so the social conception of life maxes out at the nation level and then needs to unfold into the Christian conception of life in order for it uh-huh, to maintain uh-huh. credibility, yeah, it seems like
0: yeah, yeah, and this essentially like basically for Tolstoy, this undoes state authority, right, this undoes church authority, this undoes all of these sort of structures that were previously in like constructed in the social stage and are still being up upheld by like basically this last gasp of like the social stage, but like conscious. So, so, so the way that the way that society is structured is all premised on the social conception of life. Right. But consciousness has moved ahead of the social conception. And so like uh, he, he uses the, um, I wish I marked this. So so the, he has this uh he has this passage where he says, you know, um yeah, he's talking about like uh, uh the rich smoking cigars and drinking expensive liquor and having, you know, like these nice cl- this nice clothing and stuff, and they know that like it's the toil of like the miserable poor that produce these luxuries. And yet and, and they and they understand in some way the um, the the contradic- the ethical problem that this is and are made very anxious or very uncomfortable by it right but they right. Just sort of suppress this uh this urge but this is a manifestation of like christian consciousness sort of like showing itself right. but like not being realized yet yeah and th- this is interesting and, and and kind of
1: taking a detour here uh wasn't planning on bring this up but it it seems so relevant to this passage um, I was, I was reading an, an early essay of Nietzsche's, uh, today, mm. uh, called The Greek State, and he's, he's, he's actually bringing out this, this radical, like, anarchist, uh, Constellation of, of Christianity too, where where Nietzsche yeah, really, yeah yeah so, he so, has something good to say about. he does yeah so he's <laughs> so he's talking so he's talking about how you know yeah exactly what Tolstoy is saying where all culture is is premised on slavery so you know uh, earlier in, in history at least you know in order to have the type of leisure to make art and find goods yeah. right the the bourgeois class the, uh, needed to have this. Uh, this basically an enslaved class in order mm-hmm. in order to to have the kind of free time luxury to to make these things, um, and so so if if the truth of the equality that's preached in a lot of societies um, was ever actually gleaned, all of this kind of nonsensical cultural production would would come to a halt, according to Nietzsche, uh, and and he says that, uh, the only really the only time. Um, In history, where this happened, Uh, he says, uh, actually, an over exuberant pity did break down the floodgates of cultural life for a brief period now and then. A rainbow of pitying love and peace appeared with the first radiance of Christianity. Hmm. Um, Oh, that's interesting, yeah. and, and, And this is exactly what this is exactly kind of the seed that Tolstoy is just trying to. To bring out and, and bring to life mm. is is that mm. that brief moment i guess you know when when mm. christ actually walked the face of the earth um, yeah. where those walls of of oppression and in government and hierarchy actually did like begin to break down mm. um, and so mm. for tolstoy the christian conception of life it, mm. you know,
0: realizes mm. this in real time right oh yeah hmm. okay so then we have um we have the contradiction between the social conception and the Christian conception of life. And we have sort of um, at one level, he talks about Christianity being a seed that's planted and take takes two millennia to grow. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing sort of the beginning. He uses the metaphor of like a blossom on a on a on a tree branch. Right. And if you know what to look for, you understand that this is. Uh, this is spring coming, right? Right. And actually, in one of the gospel readings at Noonday Prayer this week that we had uh, in Mark, I think, that passage Mm -hmm. that was being referenced. And um, (coughs) so for Tolstoy, then, the question is how to move from Christianity or the Christian conception of life, as he wants to talk about it, um, uh, how to move from... Uh, the sort of contradiction between um, sort of consciousness leaping ahead of the social conception, right? And actually instating, like you said, in real time, in real space, uh, a society that's predicated on, and maybe society isn't the right word, but a a form of life that's predicated on the conception of life, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I think there, there's two two particularly important things that, that Tolstoy points to. Uh, one is that Christianity cannot be really; it can't be given to someone or mm-hmm. taught to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it can't <clears throat> be evangelized. Uh, really, uh, it, it's simply embodied. And then yeah. again, the, the the key here is is what he thinks this is inevitable that once people see how christians live it will mm-hmm. become just like common sense to adopt that way of life yeah so yeah. so so this is why it, you know it takes so long um for christian to to spread you know even if it's inevitable it's a slow inevitability i guess mm-hmm. you could call it for tolstoy um because it, it you know he he denounces all of these you know missionary efforts uh in in south america and africa um as completely unchristian and the only way that it can spread for him is is again for just people to witness true christians living um pacifist uh, lives in accordance with the sermon on the mount and once once that life is witnessed it will inevitably be adopted uh, by Mm -hmm. the
0: people giving witness to it. So this is his, this is his, uh, this is the, um, this is his discussion of like building public opinion. And he says, right. You know, governments are in power, not because of their um, strength or force. They're in power because of public opinion. Right. Right. So yeah. You know, so
1: this is, this is the second kind of component I was going to is, is the other than by example, uh the The only other kind of avenue for tolstoy is this kind of this public sphere i mean mm-hmm. this is, it kind of reminds me of like a you know habermasian mm-hmm. type of critical theory which uh you know can only, in my opinion can only go so far but uh, this is definitely a different historical context mm-hmm. that we 're operating mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. for tolstoy and so yeah according to him it 's um as soon as public opinion reaches this kind of critical point Mm -hmm. uh everything will be toppled and and this is this is really premised on the fact that in order for governments to maintain legitimacy they need (coughs) violent uh sources violent agents Mm -hmm. to exhibit their power and so that's primarily the police and the army right um and so he's giving all these examples of of for for what was contemporary Russia for him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of jailers refusing to jail people, mm-hmm. of police not complying with orders to arrest, of members of the army uh, deserting, um, and for him this is all. You know, as soon as this starts to happen, then mm-hmm. the government has no authority. Mm-hmm. If it if it yeah. has if it has no uh, apparatus to enforce its its will. Mm-hmm. Upon the people, which yeah. is actually the people 's will, according right. to tolstoy um then it it just kind of crumbles from the inside out right
0: yeah and and um in trying to be i guess in trying to read him charitably um, i was trying I was trying to put myself in his place and think about that initial blossoming on on the on the branch and um think about uh he he cites numerous numerous like concrete examples of um of this type of thing like you were saying the um jailers refusing to do their jobs uh, government officials refusing to do their jobs people refusing to um to serve in the military like all this kind of thing and <clears throat> i think it's fair to say that like perhaps in that time at that place in his particular location you could reasonably believe that some sort of mass movement was on the on the brink right something like that yeah that's especially since he didn't have social media or didn't live through world war ii that's the other thing there's
1: this this, you know a there's this kind of limit to what he's able to see going on in the world um and so yeah, you know, one yeah one would wonder if he could witness everything else that's happening. Uh, how his uh, how the inevitability to his vision would would change or not. And then mm-hmm. and then two would would yeah would be if he were if he were around today. You know would he right. would he be saying the right. same thing? It's hard to believe that he would. Um yes. Right. But yeah, I think I think I think yeah. In reading him charitably with what with what he's seeing going on in Russia on an everyday basis, it's. know, maybe not easy, but easier to understand why he's, uh, why he's envisioning it this way Mm -hmm. with, with Mm -hmm. the undeviating path toward, uh, the Christian conception of life. Yeah.
0: So then I guess just to tie everything up, uh, the, as far as, as far as our like summary here, um, we've got, we've, we're, we're in a, uh, in a transitional moment in history, from a social conception to a Christian conception of life, where uh, a sort of Christian egalitarian vision of service to humanity will inevitably subvert the sort of fractured like nation states that perpetuate violence and sort of have have a have a unjust and kind of absurd authority. Right. Um. And and through the building of a um, through the building of public opinion by sort of demonstrating the um, powerlessness of um, of, of uh, governmental structures, like uh, there will be this sort of inevitable mass shift to this. Um, I think I think your I think your description of like anarcho-agrarianism isn't isn't very far off. I think that's that's seems to be that's that's what I envision and what I imagine when right. I'm reading Tolstoy you know um, so you know we'll just be a bunch of people who love humanity <laughs> and and like read um, a very particular set of chapters from the gospels <laughs> right, right? <exactly>. yeah <laughs> you know yeah uh, which doesn't sound bad to me doesn't
1: sound terrible no yeah. Um. and it so it, and it's weird that he closes he doesn't close the book with this but it's in the closing chapter uh huh um that makes makes this reading of history of his a little bit more palatable for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it, this passage kind of took me off guard, but he says, As for those... No, that's the wrong one. He says, uh, To the question when this hour cometh, Christ answers that we cannot know. But just because we cannot know when the hour is coming, we ought to be always ready to meet it, just as the master ought to watch who guards his house from thieves, as the virgins ought to watch with lamps of light for the bridegroom. And further, we ought to work with all the powers given us to bring that hour to pass as the servants ought to work with the talents entrusted to them. And there could be no answer but this one. Men cannot know when the day and the hour of the kingdom of God will come, because its coming depends on themselves alone." So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I have he, written in
0: the margin right there, apocalypse this is a very apocalyptic, right? Reason,
1: yeah, but know. it, yeah, so, so I, I guess what this does to make it a little bit more palatable for me is you know, even if it's inevitable, um, he's not like prescribing any particular moment, he's not prescribing a short term inevitability, um, right. And it's completely dependent on the actions of men in the present day to. Mm-hmm how to make this come about. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
0: right. Yeah. Well then I guess I guess uh I guess now that we've kind of uh, given I think I think a a good representation of the of the book as a whole, um, uh, we can talk we can talk about uh about what we think about yeah. it. <laughs> Which is like I just okay. After reading it, I was really tired. Yeah. Actually, like because it's so overwhelming and so yeah. like it is so single-minded and so and it's
1: it's really rehashing the same points like over the course of 200 pages yes. um, yeah. again and again and again and yeah. again.
0: Yeah. And but 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 there and and the thing is like and I don't like, you know, I think this word gets used uh, and abused and, but like, it is very radical. Like it goes all the way down. Right. Right. You know, yeah. uh, the vision for, um, the vision for societal transformation is not reformist. It's not tweaking the system. It is a complete toppling and a complete, like a, a, a sort of like continental re- revolution, right? It's yeah. just absolutely a break, a break from, every other previous iteration right. of, of life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, for me, there's, I mean, it's incredibly frustrating on the one hand yeah. um, and it's incredibly refreshing on the other where uh, there isn't like a grand theory of revolution. There's no grand theory of politics here it's, it's very right, simple yeah, I mean yeah. it, it's ex- I mean that's that's the radicality right. of it it's extremely simple it's yes. simply like be this person that's <laughs> yeah. described right. in the sermon on the mount and everything else mm-hmm. will follow um yeah I mean I I think I'm I'm extremely sympathetic to the prefigurative political dimension that we talked about earlier yeah uh I also, and, and, and I'm falling into you know a, an argumentative trap that he already has an answer to here. Yeah. Um, but when when I say that it, you know, we're almost too far past the point of of like uh, nonviolent mm-hmm. resistance being able to muster up anything, um, you know, there's that there's that I think it's a Stokely Carmichael mm-hmm. quote, right? Uh, yeah. Where you know. Nonviolent resistance, you know, can only really mean anything if your oppressors have a conscience. Exactly. Um, yeah. Tolstoy clearly believes that uh, if if the oppressors don't have a conscience, then at least the general public does. Right. Um, more and more, with, with at least with contemporary uh, in the contemporary American context, it, it seems like nonviolent resistance is is not doing the trick in terms of mustering up mm-hmm. public opinion. Because well, even
0: when you see, pro- I think protests done really well, nonviolent protests do- done really well. Um, it's there. There's there's ways that things are spun, and right. ways that I uh, I hesitate to say distorted, but yeah, distorted ways that ways that uh, people are able to spin protests to fill to to fit certain narratives that already support uh, structures of, like, state violence, for right, example. Exactly. So, like, you see um, like the Colin Kaepernick thing. Right. right. I yeah. mean, goodness gracious, like, literally the most harmless protest right. that uh, that you could possibly do that seems to actually mean something. Right. And, you know, he's... Um, I guess he's not playing in the NFL anymore, right? He is has right? still not been picked up by a team. Yeah. Which is...
1: I mean, they are far worse Mm -hmm. quarterbacks that have been signed. Um, Like, just very objectively speaking, like, it's not even up for discussion. So, I mean, yeah, he's totally being, like, tossed to the side Mm -hmm. by...
0: And it's because he won't honor or do what... uh, He won't honor the flag, right? Mm -hmm. Which, uh, his basic argument, right, is that for African-Americans... Right, the uh, the flag represents something very different. Right.
1: Give uh, me a, give me a reason to honor the flag, and then I'll yeah. honor the flag. Right, but right. So so when even something as as harmless as that isn't doing the job that it's supposed to do for theorists mm-hmm. of of nonviolent resistance, mm-hmm. then yeah, you have to you have to reconsider this this notion of of, of Tolstoy's. You know, it mm-hmm. worked for for certain people mm-hmm. in certain historical contexts. Mm-hmm. Gandhi read this read this book, and it was Hugely influential for him. Right. Um, but it, but it doesn't seem to be holding up much. And and mm-hmm. so what's interesting is that you know if you go to people, uh, you know, Marxist-Leninists or like or or certain anarchist groups who uh, do believe that violence has a place, like as a means, they'll like. I, I have a feeling that Tolstoy and and those parties would agree on on what their disagreements are. You know what I mean? Right. Like they're on they're very mm-hmm. much on the same page. Yes. Um. And and they're just disagreeing with the reality that we live in. So for so for Tolstoy, uh, you know, violence um, as an arbiter of justice mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. always unstable, and and therefore we need this external. Um, vision of of history and humanity that that for him is Christianity to uphold it to uphold what it what is true what is just yeah. mm-hmm. um, and you know the historical materialist says uh, yeah violence is unstable um, and that's why we need to use it in right. in order to right. implement
0: our our vision of what a just society looks like. So, like, it's not just, it's not just, like, throwing bricks through windows at uh, protests and, like, you know, um, burning private property and stuff like that. Like, it's also, like, for Tolstoy, um, you can't participate in government. Right. You can't pay taxes right. you can't uh, you can't run for office and from the inside sort of right. change right, exactly. change like there's no compromise no and and this is something that I talk about with uh, I, I talked about with Andre who he was on um, he was on the episode two weeks ago I guess at this point um, uh, that the sort of um, and this is what gets tossed around a lot, like purity politics, right? The pure, the sort of idea of like a pure vision of. of right. Um, he says, you know, his church. Uh, he he he's a pastor at a um, at a African American Baptist church in Philly. Uh, like he says, you know, like we can't afford not to vote. Like we can't afford not to at least like, uh, in the context of always perpetuated state violence, like at least do what we can to mitigate like that. Right. You know?
1: Yeah. So, so, okay. So yeah, this, this brings up another, uh, another point that I wanted to touch on too throughout this is, is I guess what what I, what I've been calling kind of the Kantianism of this thing. And in Mm -hmm. terms of Mm -hmm. like an ethical Mm -hmm. vision Mm -hmm. where it's all very explicitly predicated on the notion that if everyone did
0: X Right. Yes. Exactly. There's a categorical yeah. imperative exactly. in Tolstoy. So sure. yeah,
1: if every single person <laughs> stopped voting, like, you bet that'd make some noise right. in right. in the current political context. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like, yeah. and and then, and then this is where this is where like someone like who you just brought up would come in. Okay, mm-hmm. well, other people are voting, and so therefore we can't afford not to right. because the. Right. You know, I hate to use the phrase, but the lesser of two evils uh, mm. is a hell of a lot of lesser <laughs> right, right. of an evil than, than the yes. one that we ended up with.
0: Right. Yeah. This is something that a lot of ethical language in Christian discourse, like, tends toward, um, tends toward Tolstoy's kind of um, uh, notion of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Right. You know, and this is something that makes me very nervous yeah, um, because I personally, this is one of the big things that this is one of the big red flags in Tolstoy's. Oh, at the same time, very seductive and very like intoxicating, right? To think like we're participating in in uh, bringing the kingdom, instantiating the kingdom of heaven, and and I think there are some ways in which we could say that like the kingdom of heaven, like. Is incarnate on earth sometimes, but not right. as a pol- not as a right. political exactly. project. Um, rather, yeah. I see like the kingdom of God as a sort of mediating ideal, right? Right. right. You know, um, but this is a danger that we run into um, when we're thinking about ethics and politics from a Christian or Catholic point of view: is thinking that we are like crusaders for the kingdom of God, right? right?
1: Yeah. So, so this is an interesting. Um, and, and I so I I would say if if you if you put like if you had a spectrum of like Christian politics, mm-hmm. let's say, I say I think on the one hand you have people like Fuller and Tolstoy, where mm-hmm. I, this is kind of arbitrary, but for me I'm I'm going to use the the weight that original sin plays in your theology. Mm-hmm. as kind of what like I'm what I'm using for this spectrum here so sure, so sure. on the side of people uh, who basically completely dismiss original sin as remotely relevant
0: mm-hmm.
1: for mm-hmm. theology or politics you have Tolstoy and fuller where mm-hmm. the kingdom of God is immediately and imminently and fully realizable for humans and then on the other side uh, you have I, I would say like kind of like ultra both actually like like kind of like neocons or mm-hmm. like hyper libertarians um but but a whole kind of interesting mix mm-hmm. of people where original sin is is so crucial mm-hmm. that you know we are so completely fallen uh, at least like within temporal like imminent life um that you know we need something like the market or like right, a monarchical yeah, right, yeah. government or something mm-hmm. like that to mm-hmm. to be you know to stop us all from just like brutally murdering each other for <laughs> right. over like a piece of pizza <laughs> right right like right. um and so you, i mean i'm definitely like somewhere in between those two extremes <laughs> right Where like right. <laughs> uh, hopefully but i mean it's and again, you know, I, I could be I could be completely wrong in in, in like claiming that original sin is, is mm. the pivotal uh, like doctrinal point yeah. upon which that like spectrum turns. But it seems to me like that that's been the common denominator in a lot
0: of these conversations I've
1: been having with people.
0: Well, and I think another thing that you can hash out too in terms of you can hash it out in terms of um, not just original sin but also like. Um, I guess, like the nature, the nature of real, of being of reality, like a lot of um, so like this is David Bentley Hart's big uh, problem with like um, with a lot of like so-called like postmodern philosophers right. is that like Nietzsche and onward, like you basically think <clears throat> that being or the cosmos, the world is like essentially a struggle, and essentially right. uh essentially violent right and um you know original sin definitely like figures into that or um and 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 i think two of like the sort of like calvinist or like reformed kind of like visions of like government as like restraining right evil, yeah exactly you know? right which uh i'm not always i guess opposed to you know yeah. like uh necessarily i guess um Like I'm thinking of like Niebuhr and like realism and like you know people suck right you know (laughs) like and we need some sort of like ability to like keep a check on that but. Um, you know, on the other extreme or like if you let it go too far, um, you know, the people that suck are also the people that are in power right. and so who I mean, have more yeah. guns. Right. right. You so, know?
1: so a lot of the times, you know, the, the mechanisms that are, are put in place supposedly to, you know, stop people from sucking so much, uh, just, just make us suck more. Right. Like, you know, like, yes. like, like an, like a completely, you know, so-called free market, for right. example, you know, um, People people defend it on the grounds that you know we we need certain mechanisms in place to make sure that we are allocated you know remotely fairly um, and and aren't just off there you know killing each other right. um, for material goods but but then those those same mechanisms also allow for people to. Um, just throw ethics mm-hmm. out the window well i 'm just participating in this arbiter of justice that's completely neutral and like amoral right, um, right. I mean it ends up yeah, it ends up creating mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the opposite effect, so maybe you know j- to be fair to Tolstoy too mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. um, we didn't talk too much about what goes on in chapter Four, but um, chapter Four is is a lot about. It's like it's a defense of utopianism, and it's a defense of unattainable ideals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so he talks about you know e- again like even if he's insisting on this progressive reading of history where we are consistently marching closer and closer toward the you know the kingdom of God on earth, um, he explicitly says that this is an this is an asymptote. Like this is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. on it's it is unattainable right mm-hmm. um e, so even and he kind of like so he kind of like seeds this linguistic or like rhetorical point where he's like mm-hmm. uh you know when i when i say um that we are marching toward this and and like we will attain it um we mm-hmm. will attain the christian conception of life the, the kingdom of god on earth um what I really mean is we're <laughs> going to get really close to it, um, but we need we need to talk as if it's attainable um, yeah, because yeah. if, you know, he, so, so he says if, um, he says, let's see, to let go the requirements of the ideal, the requirements of mm-hmm. the ideal, which mm-hmm. it is, I think mm-hmm. is a unique phrase, it means not only to diminish the possibility of perfection, but to make end of the ideal itself the mm-hmm. ideal that has power over men is not an ideal invented by someone but the ideal that every man carries within his soul and so so you know the the utopian element here mm-hmm. um, it is i mean it's kind of you know it's kind of utilitarian it's kind of it's mm-hmm. it's rhetorical mm-hmm. it's like yeah. we're we're going to talk like this because it's right. going to convince people to behave mm-hmm. uh like good Christians, not yeah, right. necessarily because um, we actually believe
0: that we can attain full human perfection. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, um, mm. and and I think and I think too that um, having a sort of prefigurative witness too is very like right. important to that um, to the rhetorical force of right. like having so. So um I can't remember who I was was listen- I think I was listening to the Magnificast the other day one of those uh Christian Lefty episodes um and they were talking about like the importance of having so they were talking about Charlottesville the the importance of so 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 the the power of the image of nonviolent clergy marching in mm. in mm-hmm. in uh the streets, but also you know Cornell West quote right. about like the uh, the anti fascists right. like essentially them. like keep making that possible, right? right? So so some sort of resistance at yeah. least and violence maybe is what yeah. makes possible the the sort of purity of this witness of a prefigurative. That, that's I
1: really yeah I, I really like that point and um and it's funny because it, I mean it's almost like this like secret. This secret agreement, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause for either side to acknowledge that mm-hmm. just kind of totally eliminates the credibility of, of either. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you have like, uh, if you have Tolstoy here, who is the complete like nonviolent, mm-hmm. um, you know, radical saying, but you know, Oh, but we need other people to be like doing violence like over here us, to defend yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, it totally, it totally delegitimizes mm-hmm. this utopian vision of his. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like that, like that secret agreement between the practical and the utopian mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. allows both to coexist alongside each other and, and hopefully aid in reaching a more just society in some right, way. I really right. like that idea. Yeah. And,
0: and, and one other point uh, on that was something like, it's okay, it's okay to be a Christian pacifist. Right, Like it's a, it's a, it is okay to like practice nonviolence and to prefig try your best to prefigure the kingdom of God. Right. Like, uh, the, the problem is when you try to prescribe this for everyone, uh, it becomes like a sort of ethical issue that like, the, for, especially, especially if you're like a white straight dude, yeah. uh, who's a practicing Christian right, right. and just thinks, Oh, everybody should be like a pacifist, yeah. you know? Um, When, in fact, on the margins, like, you you actually do understand that violence is always the case. Right. 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 Um, It's okay to be um, aiming towards the sort of nonviolent ideal, um, but you shouldn't necessarily, I don't think, shame people for going about things a different way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so... Yeah, that, I mean, the, the Angela, Angela Davis's, like, prison interviews are super poignant on that. It's like, the, she basically laughs at the question, like, do you believe in violence? <laughs> like, what do you? Yeah, like, I, I grew that. up with, you know, my churches and schools getting bombed. Like, I, this question doesn't make sense to me. Right. Um, it doesn't matter what... If I believe in violence or not Like it's a fact of my life Right um, And I need, I need some way to engage in that Right um, Yeah Anything else? I think, I think I heard a lot of what I wanted to hear
0: Well, thank you Eric And uh, hopefully we'll have you back sometime Absolutely, thanks, thanks so good. much Do you like Anarchist Book Club Part 2 or something Yeah um,
1: for sure yeah uh, yeah thanks so much for having me on uh, pleasure to, to read through this text again and talk about it with you so
0: hope, hope it's helpful alright alright so that was the Anarchist Book Club uh, maybe perhaps the first of many um, hope you enjoyed it and Go find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Google Play, theologyanddialogue.org. And uh, do all the appropriate liking, sharing, rating, reviewing. uh, And we will see you next time.